The following is a series of interviews recorded on Wednesday, October 11th and Thursday, October 12th, just a few days after the horrific and tragic terror massacres carried out by Hamas. The following interviews are with Israelis who have offered to share their stories of what the last few days have been like and what they expect to come. I hope that you find these interviews meaningful during this time and that if you do, you share them with friends, family, and others. Thank you. What's your name and how long ago did you move to Israel? Hey, Evan. Um, so my name is Razi Hecker. I moved to Israel almost exactly four years ago in August 2019. Got it. And why did you move to Israel? Uh, so I was actually in Mechina for post high school. I was kind of debating between, you know, different programs, decided to go to Mechina program. And once I was there, um, just kind of really was connected very much to all the Israeli, you know, students and, you know, the Israeli uh, classmates that I had. Um, I went back to college. I was, you know, enrolled at Harvard. So it was very important for me that I, that I go back and I complete my degree there. Um, but when I was there kind of right away, I understood that I had to get back to Israel. I was watching my friends like every day. You know, posting new stories of them, you know, drafting of them in uh, uniform, and it was like increasingly hard for me to to be at Harvard to feel like you know quite like you know so distanced from them while they were doing something like so important for for Israel um, and for the safety of our people. And like I worked very very hard to make sure that I could that I could get back and that I could get there um, to finish my degree as soon as possible um, to be able to draft and serve in the army and uh, make Aliyah in general. And how old are you? Uh, right now, I'm 26. What word would you use to describe the past few days? Yeah. Um, I mean, probably confusing, I think, in a lot of ways to me comes to mind. I think like juggling, whether it's different identities or different events or different moments, kind of both like the impossibility or the perceived impossibility of everything kind of alongside like, you know, what I want versus what the country wants versus what my job wants versus what my friends and family and, you know, home country and this country. And um, there's so much confusion um, like from the events on the ground, from the events in my head. Um, only three days ago, I was, you know, in the United States, like having fun with my friends in the Upper West Side for, for Shabbat, for, for the holidays. Um, and as soon as I heard, I booked the first ticket back on Elal, like my commander texted me that I, you know, if I could, I should come back for reserves. Um, and, you know, 24 hours later, I was wearing a green jumpsuit, you know, making my way uh, to base. Um, and yeah. Okay. So I actually didn't know that. So you were, so where were you when you found out what happened? So, yeah, it was, what happened was, is we were all, me and a few friends of mine were staying in the Upper West Side for you know, the Sabbath and the holidays. Uh, one of the friends that was with us, um, like, did not observe the Sabbath. So kind of right away, um, unlike a lot of other friends that we had that were in the Upper West Side at the time, right away, we were able to kind of start seeing the news come in. Um, but by the time we went to synagogue, which was, you know, probably 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, um, what we had understood is that, you know, obviously something pretty horrific had happened, but we thought that it was, you know, you know, tens of Israelis killed, tens of Hamas militants who had crossed the border. And, you know, it, it took us, you know, hours and hours, probably only until after the end um, of the first day of the holiday to kind of understand just the sheer scale of what had really went on and, and you know, how devastating, like deeply, deeply horrific and devastating the events were. Got it. And so 
when you were called back, where were you? Like, how did that process happen? Yeah. So when my friend told me what had happened, um, I kind of, you know, basically what went on is he said, you know, there's the war was declared. So I was a little bit confused, you know, kind of assumed that maybe it would be you know, kind of a normal, uh, normal, but a once a year normal um, fighting between, you know, Israel and, and uh, you know, our Gaza neighbor. Um, and then I understood that, you know, it was talked of, you know, penetration and of Israelis killed. Um, and once I heard, you know, those two words, I you know ran over to my phone, I turned on the phone. Um, already, I saw that my commander had texted me asking me to come back. Um, and, you know, seeing where I was, and, you know, of course, I, I answered the call. Um, but just, you know, I think, also, like, in some ways, um, like, you know, a lot of some ways, you know, happiness to come back, but also, like a real sense of, you know, being scared, like flying back into a war zone, um, like what that means, like, you know, being in, you know, the airplane, like above a war zone where rockets are being fired every second. Um, but ultimately, I'm very happy that I'm here. I'm very happy that I'm serving. I'm very happy that with my people on my land. Um, yeah. Okay. And so tell us where you are and just like what the day-to-day is. Yeah. So, so right now, for sure. So right now, I'm mostly doing day shifts. Um but uh right now just home staying at a friend's house because they have a uh, they have a bomb shelter here um and so i've been been staying there um staying here with them it's been it's been very nice and yeah a lot of time also you know when i'm not uh you know when i'm not you know doing stuff just kind of trying to make myself as busy as possible like you know for last night for example i spent you know two hours just you know putting batteries you know manually into headlamps um, today I was, you know, volunteering with kids from, uh, you know, from kind of different areas, from Stayrot, from different areas in the south near Gaza, um, just, you know, helping them with, you know, with everything that they, anything that they can get their hands on, um, and, you know, helping babysit the kids while the parents were away, while the parents just wanted, a, you know, a moment of break, and so that was also really meaningful, like being able to kind of feel like I was, you know, with the population that's, you know, most affected by this tragedy and most traumatized by this tragedy and doing the little, little, you know, little part that I'm able to, um, you know, on the ground means to me like more than one thing. It means also, you know, being able to be with the families that need it the most at the time of their greatest need um, and making sure that, you know, whatever their, whatever the unspeakable traumas and, and, and things that they've witnessed and experienced that, you know, maybe, maybe some sort of glimmer of light that we can offer them at this, you know, very dark hour. So, you mentioned that you went to Harvard and while, you know, most like public commentary from the outside has been very positive towards Israel, there have been some negative sentiment. And especially, you know, I'm sure you've heard as an alum, like all of these different Harvard organizations that came out against Israel. So just wondering what was that like hearing about that and how do you how do you deal with that as someone who's who's literally gave up dropped everything to just go back to fight for your country yeah um it's a great question definitely been been you know depressing and and sad and and i think one of my friends that was with me at harvard um that actually sent me it in the first place i think she captured it the best um zero to me i think uh I feel like we were supposed to, like, I feel like they're supposed to pretend to care about, you know, civilians being slaughtered. Um, like, there was a point, it seemed, where, where okay, you know, even if they're pretending that this isn't what the, they, they don't, that they do care, like, like now there's just all, you know, the, the gloves are off, you know, there's there's no sense of them caring. Um, so, 
I actually wrote right now, I'm in contact with, with someone trying to get something published um, that I wrote in response um, to the Harvard, you know, groups, you know, letter, um, trying to kind of, you know, explain a little bit, you know, on our own end and my own end, like what that feels like, what that feels like to experience that and hear something like that. Um, especially when these are, you know, classmates of mine that are posting really like evil, evil, heinous things, um, you know, on Twitter and, you know, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and, you know, without going into it too much, you know, heinous things that, you know, even the most, you know, I'd say, you know, virulently anti-Israel, um, you know, people in, you know, the United States Congress and the United States Senate, um, you know, Ilhan Omar condemned the attacks by Hamas, right? The word Hamas was not mentioned in the Harvard letter even once, um, you know, let alone the word condemned. So just kind of, you know, putting that into context of, you know, even the people that, you know, us as pro-Israel perceive as most antagonistic to us, right, within like the American political spectrum, you know, seem to have, it seems to be night and day even between what they're saying and what we've heard from, from you know, from classmates at Harvard, um, and just, you know, a real sense of, of, of shame and embarrassment and, um, and, and hoping that, you know, Harvard will do, you know, what they can within the scope of, you know, what is fair for them to do to crack down on these groups and um, to not tolerate what is pretty close to open calls to violence. Okay, definitely makes sense. And uh, looking forward to seeing your response. And so, you know, one thing that came out of all these tragedies was definitely a sense of unity with Jewish people, with Israel. And so I'm just wondering, you know, you mentioned some of the things you've been doing, you know, like you said, on the ground, whether that's like reserve duty or also just like helping out and volunteering and things like that. But what are some moments of unity that you've experienced in the past few days that you'd like to share? Yeah. So one moment that to me really, really sticks out, um, we had kind of, first it starts with a bit of a scary story and then turns into a hopeful one is, you know, on the plane ride back when we were probably, you know, crossing over Netanya about, you know, a few miles away from the Gaza border, um, suddenly there was really, really rough turbulence. Um, we were flying in the middle of a thunderstorm that we didn't know was then, um, really rough turbulence. The whole plane was shaking at one point. Um, it was clearly a cla- you know, flash of lightning, the sky lit up, and then a huge boom, and people on the plane started freaking out, thinking it was rocket fire. Um, no one really knew what it was. You know, everyone was fine. We realized it was lightning, you know, moments later. Um, but the rest of the plane was just turbulence and turbulence and hitting the ground very hard um, from trying to get into Ben Gurion as fast as we can. And when we hit the ground, there was this kind of very palpable hesitation from everyone on the plane, right? Because the most common thing that Israelis do and people do when they land in Israel is they clap, right? And so when we hit the ground, you can almost sense the hesitation of the air. This is you know, maybe the first, the second, the third plane landing in Israel since the atrocity, right? Are we going to clap right now? And slowly one woman started clapping. And the rest of the plane, like slowly, slowly joined in. And it was just this moment of like only the Israeli people, only the Jewish people who have nowhere else to go, who love their land, who love their people, who care about life, who hate death so much and care about life so much, can come back to a war zone in the middle of war and be clapping to be landing in their home, in their in their land, and, and, and the people who, the people who love them and care about them. And um, for me, it was it was an almost insane, unfathomable moment of unity and of caring, um, and and something that I think 
you have to really be Israeli or understand what it means to be Israeli or to be Jewish or to care about this land and this people um, in order to understand that. Wow. Yeah. And so just one last question. You know, you were just on the Upper West Side. Um, our main audience has, is probably people on the Upper West Side. But I mean, for this podcast, maybe it'll be be a little wider than that. But just wondering what you think people outside of Israel should be doing right now that want to help. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, definitely from, from all the WhatsApp groups that I've been in, it seems, you know, just sending, you know, donations, food, supplies, money, like, you know, a few of my friends. And I could tell you from a personal, you know, anecdotal perspective, like the, you know, head headlamps that I was putting batteries into, like those were lamps, like mostly, you know, sourced by American donors, right? Like my friends brought $15,000 worth and, you know, 10 suitcases worth of stuff back here. And they've already sent off half of it to or lots of it to soldiers around the country. Um, like soldiers sending pictures to us and videos to us of American donations, right? Like coming to them, thanking American donors, you know, for the, the new things, the new equipment, the new portable phone chargers, um, socks, underwear, tactical gloves, you know, ceramic vests, you name it, that they've received um, from American donors. And that's one. I think two is, is in a wider sense, in, in a more creative sense, um, the battle of legitimacy um, is that, you know, God willing, you know, it's my personal, you know, my personal political opinion as Razi Hecker, but, you know, God willing, uh, you know, this is the last war that we will ever fight with Hamas. Um, but even if this is the last war, even if this is not the last war that we will fight with Hamas, I think the hope is that in the future, Hamas will no longer be looked at as, you know, a militant fighting group as, as you know, different news reports are calling it, um, but will, you know, seen as one-to-one, -one, you know, as Joe Biden mentioned in his speech, right, will be seen exactly as ISIS is seen, will be indifferentiable from ISIS in terms of the atrocities and the war crimes and the evil, evil group that they are. And so I think part of this battle is not only a battle of boots on the ground, it's not only a battle um, of planes in the sky, it's also a battle of, you know, a battle of legitimacy, a battle of not only explaining our story and our narrative, but explaining that the enemy is evil does not care about, you know, uniting Palestine, does not care about, you know, freedom um, and, you know, self-determination for the Palestinian people. It is an enemy bent on heinously destroying the Israeli people, the Jewish people, um, and mercilessly killing them and slaughtering them in whatever way possible. Um, and that is the message that the world needs to see. Those are the videos and the talks um, and the pictures and the news articles that the world needs to see. Um, and that is that is your job. As English speakers, as people you know in the United States, the most powerful country on earth, um, that is your job to make sure that the world is able to see that. That the United States makes sure that the world is able to see that in its full power. All right. Thank you, Razi. Stay safe, and I'm Israel Fak. Thank you. Thank you, Evan. You too. Bye bye. What's your name, and how long ago did you move to Israel? Uh, I'm Eliana Sassoon, Sapulker. Uh, yes, that's my last name. Uh, I have been living in Israel for seven years. I moved here from Mumbai. Um, yeah. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 29. Okay. And what word would you use to describe the last few days? I don't think I have any words. It's just like the worst nightmare come true um, of every Israeli or of every Yulin. It's just, it's beyond anything it's beyond traumatizing it's beyond 
I don't know. It's somewhere I feel like, you know how it says like history repeats itself if the lesson is not learned. So the people that didn't learn the message during the Holocaust have now have to learn through this. Um, it's shattering. It's I've been telling everybody nobody's coming out of this per like perfect. Everybody is traumatized in their own way. Um, and we all have friends, um, fat, that people that we know that are either, um, are right now fighting on the borders or we know people who've lost somebody. We know people who's, who've like, who are missing. Um, it's a really large scale and it's horrifying. I thought so, so I was like, I just don't know how I'm getting through the days, how anybody is getting through the days. It's. Yeah, there are, there are no words to it. And where do you live and where are you now? So I live in Jerusalem. I am in Ashdod right now, which is uh, southern Israel. I came, I came here to uh, attend services in my community. Um, so just to give a background, uh, I come from the Bene Israeli community of India. Um, most of them live in Mumbai, but there are other, others in other cities as well. Uh, my community is more than 2,100 years old. Uh, so like we, like my community moved to India, um, some say during the first temple, some say during the second temple. It's not like exactly known. Um, the story goes that, um, they were escaping the exile and, uh, there were like ships of Jews that were going, and then the sh- bus, and, and then like the ship got shipwrecked, and only seven men and seven women survived. So from seven those seven couples, uh, my community was established in um, in Western India, um, and we've been living there for for I said for two thousand years, more than two thousand years, um, and um, we have a very strong. Uh, culture, history, um, literature, um, a customs. Um, yeah, I I have enjoyed being a Jew in India. And India is like the only place that didn't suffer. Um, the Jews didn't suffer anti-Semitism, and we were well well accepted and appreciated by our non-Jewish uh, neighbors. Um, and my community lives in cities like Ashtod, Lod, Ramli, Besheva, Dimona, Kiryatgad, Haifa, Petaktikva, um, and other cities. Not a lot of people live in Jerusalem. Um, so I decided to come. Silchat Torah is my favorite Chag. And uh, I love the energy in my community and the songs that we sing and how it is. Sadly, because I live in Jerusalem, it's been hard for me to find places to be, to come here. So finally, I found somebody who could host me, um, and so I, so I could go to a, a show since I also like keep Shabbat um, and Chad. So um, and uh, I was really excited to come here after seven years. I didn't get the chance to attend Sukkot Torah services of my community, um, and uh, this happened. Um, yeah, and uh, it was. 
the fret. I hope it's okay if I'm continuing. If you want me to ask another question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, I guess, just how did you find out what happened? Where were you? How, how did you find out? Oh, it was, it was, it was Saturday morning and, uh, it was 630. Um, and I, all of us were asleep, but we, we, all of us wanted to go to show. Um, and then suddenly like, I'm like, I'm sleeping and like the first like when I hear it, like it doesn't click. And then like, I'm like, I'm up, I'm like, oh, like, oh my God, like we got to go like right now. And I was with, the, with an elderly couple. So I woke up the the wife and the husband I was like we need to go right now these are rocket sirens we need to go and um and um it was like at that moment it's like then it's like it's a sense of emergency like I'm like okay now action that's what we got to do but then once the we went once we went to the uh, um the mama the safe room and we were there and then we then we were able to get out I was just like, oh my god, like, what just happened? Like, I was like, no, Hashem, not Simkatora, not now. Like, I came here after seven years, like, no, not now. Like, are you kidding me? And I was like, oh my god, like, no. I mean, I've heard of that Ashtod gets hit by rockets, and I'm like, I I've been to Ashtod before many times, but I was like, like, seriously, this time? Like, no. And then it continued and continued, and, and the whole day, and then... All our plans to go to show were just like shattered, and all this time, like I was looking forward to the celebration, and we had so many. We were like show hopping, and all of that was. And I'm like, I I cannot believe this. I really cannot believe this. And I'm like, okay, fine. This might be like a short while. This will go away because there have been rockets in Ashdod before. And I'm like, okay, this is just for a short while. This will be over. But we had I. I like nobody had any any idea that it would escalate to this. I mean, I keep Shabbat, but um, I was like, I I need to use my phone right now. I I need to know what's going on because this is not stopping. It's one we would come back from one and then we end up running back. So it's just like it's a, it's and I'm like, what is going on? And so like we turned on the news and like we saw what was happening and it was. It was just, um, we, like, I don't know, it's just like a horror movie that, ha like, it, that has suddenly, like, realized, and it's like, it's just, like, doesn't stop, it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and then you're seeing all these, like, the horrible videos that are going, and, like, the massacre of uh, the, the music festival, and just... And, 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 and like babies being beheaded and it's just like what what like we don't we we don't know how to ask the questions we're just like we don't know what what this is and and hearing like yeah we, we are all just speeches and we're like how how could this happen like how how could the enter israel is so good with the security how, like how could this even happen like my father my father was here um my father was here, like, his family had made Aliyah when he was very young, and he was here during the Yom Kippur War. And I was like, well, I didn't want to be, and now I'm here for the Simchat Torah War. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to inherit that. And I'm just hoping and praying, like, I just hope my children or my future, if, I, if I'm married to have children, they, I don't want them to have another war that they have to go through with their own. Um, 
So, um, it's 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 horrifying. We we don't know. Um, I'm just really glad this time, at least, like at least, uh, um, good side of the world is on our side and is seeing what is evil and what is good and taking Israel's stand. I think it would have been way worse. And and as it has been in every war that Israel has faced, that nobody took Israel's stance. And Israel was always made to be the bad guy. So Barak Hashem, that this is a big blessing that the world is seeing. But it's so sad that all these horrible things had to happen for the world to finally believe in us. Like, like really? Like, the Holocaust has to happen for you to realize that how 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 anti-Semitism has always existed and will will show up it's 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 horrible face and it's and also it's scary what's happening on the internet so many people backing up like Gaza Hamas ISIS and they're justifying the actions and based on lies based on brainwashing based on idea like crazy ideologies it's makes one think what kind of world we live in are 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 humans running this world because or are there sub humans running on this world too because that's what makes me think and it's 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 scary because i have been posting a lot on social media about this and coming from india there are like as I said, Jews and Muslims get along very well in India. But when it, when Israel, when the topic of Israel comes up, things get a little heated. Um, and a lot of times I've had to be the one defending Israel and then have a, like, be like, no, what you are seeing is not based in reality. So that has happened in the past where my classmates have put up stuff about pro-Palestinian and I'm like, these are not true. And now it's like even more scary. Um, but what's scarier is um, people not taking a stand, people being silent. And some of my friends are not saying anything. And some are like a closest friends. And it really, really hurts. It really hurts. Because somewhere it feels like I'm like screaming for help and they can see it. But nobody's coming. Nobody's asking. It's just like, like somebody's just like being a bystander, not saying anything. Just maybe because they have their reasons for sure, and I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Nobody's obligated to talk on behalf of Israel. But if you're my friend and you're seeing me, go through this. Talk about this. I'm giving you firsthand experience of what's happening. As my friend, I need you. I, 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 I'm hoping you would do something than just sit and just do nothing. Say something, reach out, or, um, and I've never had, like, I, I have had, I hoped in the past my friends who are non-Jews would, like, try to talk on behalf of Israel or try to see what's going on. And, and, and that time, the expectation was very low, but now it's like, it's the worst that's ever happened. And the, that's the least that they can do. I mean, some friends have reached out. Um, but I think I also, I, I put out a video yesterday and I'm like, I need you guys to speak up. 
if you are my friend, I need you guys to speak. I need to take a stand. And like, you know, maybe they want to avoid uh, uh, um, clashes with the people and they don't want to be caught in the middle of this um, uh, um, this fiasco. But, and I said, they have my my sympathies. Like, I, I am giving them the benefit. This is not easy, but it is, it is um, heartbreaking. Um, and um, I only have so much um, energy and um, bandwidth to deal with people who are silent or people like somewhere it hurts. Sometimes I would rather have them maybe be on the other side so that at least I know. But then if they're in the middle and not saying anything, it's like, that's that's even more jarring to me and i yeah and what ellie wiesel said about like you know you cannot be an innocent bystander you're not an innocent bystander you're seeing what's going on and that hurts the victim more than the oppressor silence gives the oppressor all the more um permission to continue doing the atrocities that they're doing so we need people to speak up or don't speak up, do something, like reach out, or we need help. We need help more than before. We need help in terms of prayers. We need help in terms of like unity and people coming, which is happening in Israel. We need financial help, reach out. There are so many like websites that people can donate. Um, um, yeah. Before we started this interview, like the second before we started, there was a siren and you have to go to the safe room. So this is still an ongoing situation for you and Ashdod. Have you tried to go back to Yerushalayim? Uh, is that something you're trying to do? I, I'm i trying to follow my gut in instinct here. Um, I am scared to step out of the house, like just to even get out of the house to like, cause even though we have like a, a fence and everything um, and, and the garden, I am scared to step out, um, let alone leave the city. Um, so I want to go back to Jerusalem because that's where my my home is, and I would like to be back in the city because at least there I know what's going on, and I'm not what's going on. There are possibilities for me to do more when I when I'm there, but I'm just very scared to get out. And considering like the amount of rockets that we've been getting. Um, I am scared to travel back and be on a bus. And the last few days we've had terrorists try to infiltrate a stone and they were caught and they were killed. Um, just yesterday, there was a thing going on where somebody entered Ashkelon and we were like really scared what's yeah. going to happen. So um, I want to go back, but I am, I am super scared i'm i, I really want to go back tomorrow i was thinking i was like trying to have so like i was like should i go today and like let's see like you know as an angel we don't go today stay at home see where you are don't go today so um i i'm i'm gonna try to follow my gut instinct what it says um okay good luck uh yeah. stay stay safe obviously you know we're all we're all davening for you and just one last question what is something that, you know, people across the world in India and in the United States, you know, in Europe, people want to help 
and they're donating, davening, everyone's trying different things, but what are some things that you think people should be doing more of or should be just doing at all? I, I would say, as I mentioned before, speak up for Israel, take a stand. You cannot be an innocent bystander anymore. This is not just a war on on this is not just a war on Israel versus Hamas or 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 Israel versus all the other countries that want to destroy it or this is this is a war of good uh, good and evil right now. We are basically facing evil. It's showing its face, it's giving its proof. If you don't take a stand now and you ha- if you, if you, if if Israel has Hamas as 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 an enemy right now there are other terrorist organizations that are there and if people are backing up Hamas and they are living in countries like America or India or Europe or anywhere who knows what's going to happen next these same people god forbid might turn around and do those same atrocities everywhere so we need to speak up and this needs to stop People need to take a stand. People need to share what's going on. People need to send their sympathies. You cannot, you cannot just look away from what's going on because it's not gonna stop it. And I know it's a very hard thing to expect from from the other person who is who's not experiencing this, who doesn't live here, who is not probably Jewish. But this is our plea right now. Like we've had enough of all these two thousand years where we face anti-Semitism one after the other. It wasn't just the Holocaust that we experienced. It was even the Spanish Inquisition that was there and the things before, the Roman Empire and all of that. This is an ongoing situation and we've always been blamed and we've always been exiled and enough. <laughs> really, we've had enough and thankfully people are waking up but all these things that people it's I, I don't have words for that, for the people that are backing up and all the horrible comments that I'm seeing on social media. People need to take a stand. People need to see what's going on. People need to know the truth. Rather than looking on social media where you're getting all these, what we call in Israel is Pallywood for all of the fake videos that uh, Palestinians make or Hamas makes to show that Israel is doing horrible things to Palestinians. First of all, those are not true. Those are made by brainwashed people. And you can see that they are not true. So truth needs to be shared. That's what I've been talking a lot about on, on, on my on my social media accounts. Truth needs to be shared. And I'm making efforts to share, to show the distinction, to show what's happening. And there is so there are so many people out there. You fall you should follow Stand with us. Um there are other actors that this made Buzz, I don't know his full name. But there's no Atishbi. Follow the right people. Follow the right sources. Try to understand the truth rather than just being said, oh, Israel has just been doing that. No. Gaza was given away in 2005. Israel pulled away each Jewish Israeli citizen that was there in forcefully. And it was traumatizing for them. Pulled out every Jew that was living in Gaza so that Palestinians could have their own country. Well, it turned into the uh, 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 terror zone. And we face attacks from Gaza ever since then. So the, the thing of like free Palestine, we did that. And it didn't work. And look what happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
people people need to take a stand people need to share people need to know the truth what's going on reach out to your friends reach out to people show your support this is not just a fight against anti-semitism now this is turning into a fight against humanity if you don't care about do at least care for the sake of humanity because what's happening is beyond horrible and then i think i said if you can pray if you can do there are so many things that you can do and also um, donate donate to zaka zaka uh i don't know if you know about zaka but zaka helps collects the remains of dead bodies and tries to give them a proper funeral they even do that for the terrorists and they help them give like the remains of the body to, back to their family so that they can get a proper funeral so donate to zaka donate to hatsala which is the the Jewish ambulance service, MADA, which is the other ambulance service. Um, I think Nafish, that there are many, especially to Khayali, maybe the Lone Soldier Project um, soldiers. And yes, this is like horrible, but something good that is, and it's sad that we have to go through this for all of Amisrael to come together. But you really see stories and videos of unity, of like everybody's dropping what kind of Jew you are, but is care is is caring for the other Hasidic Jews or Orthodox Jews or whatever. They're all coming together. This is in a way is it's beautiful to see that is uh, which I hope continues and it shouldn't take a, a horrible atrocity to for this for all of them so to come together. But there are beautiful, beautiful videos of like the continued Jewish spirit, where what did, what people are doing together, people are donating, people are collecting food, uh, people are collecting toiletry supplies, clothes for the for the for the uh, um, for the soldiers. I also saw where um, where, like a non-kosher restaurant made their kitchen kosher so they could like bring food uh, to to the soldiers and other people and. Yes, it seems like it's it's um, like Amisra. We are all we are all doing tshuva, and sadly, the, it is a result of something horrible. But that does bring us hope. Um, it is it is sad though, but that 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 shows us spirit. And I think seeing those things makes me not want to leave this country. This is my home too. I sacrificed a lot to be here. I made a choice to be here. My, 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 my ancestors did a lot, and I and I believe I am here because of the merit of my ancestors. And I don't want to leave, no matter what happens, because nowhere else is home. Is yeah, as as Golda and Golda Meir said, our secret weapon is we have nowhere to go. This is our home, so I'm not leaving. <laughs> All right. Thank Even, you. Yeah. Thank you, Aliana, so, for for joining us and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. You know, we hope you stay safe. I'm Israel Chai. I'm Israel Chai. What's your name, and how long ago did you move to Israel? My name is Hanan Lieberman, and I moved to Israel uh, seven over seventeen years ago. Okay. And how old are you? I'm thirty-seven. And what word would you use to describe the last few days? Horrific. So let's 
talk a little bit more about your background. So where are you actually right now? Uh, I'm in San Diego, California. I'm a, uh, my profession is a cantor, Chazan, and I have a synagogue over here that hires me for the high holidays. And I'm here every year for six weeks from beginning uh, before Rosh Hashanah till after Simchat Torah. And so when were you supposed to go back to Israel? Well, I'm, I'm supposed to go back when uh, in a week from yesterday. So I'm still supposed to go back in a week from yesterday. My wife flew back uh, Thursday, uh, almost a week ago, with my son, Leo. And I'm here with my daughter, Charlotte, because my wife has to get back to work. And Leo started a new school. And um, we figured it'd be easier to each one of us to have one of the children so that we can go to work and, and still take care of the kids. And just for reference for everyone, Hanan is my cousin-in-law. And so that is how we set this up. But just wondering, where were you when you found out what happened and, and yeah, what, what, what happened when you found out? So, um, Friday night, Erev Shabbos, um, I had people over, um, for Shabbat meal, um, it was about, I think it was like 10, 10 30. I said goodnight to everyone. I cleaned up. I went into my bedroom and I'm hearing pings from my phone. Um, I have an app called Red Alert and it usually pings when, um, when there's a rocket. And I heard, you know, ping, ping, ping. And I'm like, okay, so there's some rockets falling in Israel. And then I saw my wife calling me. And it's Shabbat, and we're observant, or uh, so it was weird to see my wife calling me, and I knew what I had to answer, plus the, the the possible rocket. So I answered, and she said, "Check the news." So I checked the news, and then from there, you know, it just was a spiral downwards. For since then, it's just been a spiral, a spiral. And what has it been like being away from Israel at this time? Like, how do you think that's impacting you so i want to add to the story a little bit because i mm-hmm. it's important that um i had been the, someone who was at dinner is a friend of mine who is a reservist um in the paratroopers i'm also a reservist um and he had just come back from his reserves in july and he was over at dinner and when i heard about this i ran outside because I, I he was still outside because he's a dog and he was one and i said you know, Felix, are you look, seeing what's going on? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing. So we ended up coming inside to the house and we sat for about three hours as the news came out. And he unfortunately or fortunately had um, an app telegram, which I don't have. And he started seeing the carnage already, what Hamas was doing and was not being reported yet in the Israeli news. And already Friday night, I, him and I knew that this was going to be an all-out war based on what Hamas was loading onto the internet. The carnage, we already saw civilian casualties on their phones. We had seen that they've taken over Kibbutzim already an hour, two hours into the attack. And um, he had already said, I'm going to go back to Israel because I know this is going to be an all-out war. And I said, I, I have a daughter, Charlotte, uh, who's a year and a half, I have to 
really think and be like, keep my head on my shoulders, see how this is going to play out before I get back and go to reserves. Um, already Saturday morning. Cause I leave, as soon as there's a war, I leave my phone on just to, to be a place of, I want to know what's going on. I also want to help those who need help. And I got called up. He got called up. It was pretty quick. And, um, he was on a flight already, I think Sunday back to Israel. And I'm here because, um, I took my time before I booked the flight because I just know that, um, when, when you're taking care of a, a young child, you have to, they come first. And that's really hard for me because Israel always comes first. But my daughter, you know, comes first. So I had to take my time and I missed all the flights and now it's Tuesday. And there's still a feeling of I'm bringing my daughter back to a war zone. Like, you know, I'm, my, I'm supposed to go and protect Israel. I'm supposed to protect my children. Is it, is it the opposite of protecting to bring them back into Israel? That's a weird feeling to have. It's an absolutely extraordinary feeling that I've never experienced before. Um, you choose to live in Israel. It becomes your reality. Your children grow up in Israel. And you say, I live here. I'm here. But when you're outside of Israel and your children, one of your children's outside of Israel and you see what's happening to the children, what, what are enemies capable of doing to children? And not a single person in this world that I know that I consider an, a compassionate human being knows that this is this is absolute Holocaust shit. Um, I get this. Yeah, I just want to protect my child, give them a hug, and make sure that they're okay. And um, so my flight's back. My flight back is. Tuesday and I spoke to my officer and my sergeant and they said there's no rush to come back we're full uh we're full like all everyone came and um if this lasts for a month which it very might very well could then I'll be probably going in within a week or two as when I get back so you got it just one little bad for sure and that's that's definitely you know, good to know that they're full and, you know, everyone's seen the amounts of people that have gone back and like how many hundreds of thousands of reservists there are. So you're obviously in a unique situation. And so I'm wondering when you walk outside in San Diego, I'm sure you feel safe, but does it feel weird? Does it feel like you're living in your own world? What does it, what does it feel like? So for the last couple of days, it's been a war zone in my my soul, in my head, in my brain. I have not been in San Diego. I've been in a war zone. Um, this this could be because of the social media aspect of this conflict that I'm we're experiencing everything in front of our eyes. I don't know, but it feels like I'm in. I'm getting bullets are flying by my head. Um, as a cantor and a rabbi, I have a strong community here. So I'm not by myself. Um, I'm surrounded by other Jews and also non-Jews that are extremely supportive of Israel and are crying at Minyan with me. I'm literally crying. I mean, on Saturday morning, I knew what was going on. We came into synagogue and I said, Zman Simchatenu is a very hard thing to say today. And we had, a, we had this discussion. Are we going to do Hallel today? Because we already knew. He said, we have to do Hallel. 
We have to do how we have to do the service. We have to do Geshem. We have to do Simchat Torah, but it's going to be different. It's going to be somber. It's going to be, I said, uh, allow me. I said to the rabbi, can I, can I do the Hakafot? So again, I'm on the phone with my friends in Miluim Reserves, and I'm also on my fr- the phone with my wife, and it's Shabbos. But there's rockets falling in Jerusalem, and my wife saying, do I go to my, my mother? She asked me, do I go to my mother-in-law? Do I stay here? Where do I go? Do I bring a knife with me into the shelter? They're killing people in shelters. So I consider this situation, Pikuach Nefesh, I'm on the phone. It's on me. So I know everything that's happening in, in, in Israel. So when we get to Hakafot, I, I give a speech to the Kehillah. I say, you know, I, I, I basically say, I don't know how to go about Hakafot at this moment. Joy, dancing with the Torah. I said, the only thing I know is what I did when we were in the army and when I was in the pre-army programs, which is the chant, the Amisayel Lo Mefachet chants and the and the whole, the, the, the building your morale up to go and fight your enemy. And to remember that, right? That we are the chosen people and we will fight. We will fight against this. And they were, they accepted that. And the, the Hakafot were more of like the, what I showed them, the army Hakafot before going in or Mechinot. And that what didn't even feel, it didn't feel right, but it was very important to do. And I feel surrounded by the Jewish community here in San Diego. They're coming together extremely strong. And um, I don't feel alone here. I feel lonely here for my family. I feel lonely here for my people in Israel. But mostly um, I have two feelings, and that's wanting to unite my family and be, and also join my teammates fighting this, fighting this uh, evil. For sure. So as a father, you know, of little kids, obviously Charlotte's, you know, too little, but for like, what are the feelings there of just like, what can you share with Leo? Like what, what can you not share? What is it like, what is going through your mind with regards to that? So I'm, I'm in conflict with, uh, like watching these videos online and and there was one video of a boy being dragged away yelling for his Abba. And it's been like the worst, it's like an image that I can't get out of my head. It's an image of a boy whose whole world of protection has been taken away from him. And there's no one to protect his innocence. And that feeling is a really bad feeling for anyone Less kids, it's a really bad feeling. It is the worst feeling. Your ch- children, are, I don't want to say all children. I don't care if you're Israeli or Palestinian. All children are angels. They're absolutely angels, right? Like, there's nothing more innocent than children, and they don't deserve any hardship. And everyone I can get a a dugma a da um. There's only one person that speaks to me in this moment, and it's the movie Life is Beautiful. The man, the Italian man, I don't know if you've seen the movie. It's an Italian movie about the Holocaust, and there's a boy and his father going through concentration camps. I'm telling you, like, that's the only uh, the only thing I can think of is how he dealt with this situation in his children. It's just you have to play, let it, everything's a game, everything is fun. 
Let me your children believe that everything that's happening around them is just a game. The world is not an evil place. Even though it is, even though there's terrible things happening, you have to shelter them and give them that that sukkah of show, of of innocence and and just play with them, hug them, be with them. That's all I can feel. I I saw what was happening to these children, and I took my daughter to the lake, and I we fed the ducks, and inside I am dying. I am crying. I, 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 I feel like my daughter can be taken away from me at any moment and taken hostage and even worse, as we saw. I like I don't even want to say in the same mishpat, the same pursuit, that. And we have to just hug our children as tight as we can and just keep them sheltered from this terrible stuff. If I had a kid with an iPhone or anything, I would just absolutely take it away at this moment because of the images that are being shown. Um, like I said, you know, I, I feel for all children in all conflicts and, uh, I just pray that the world that we, we try to give them is, is a olam haba, is a, is an olam of, of Gan Eden and not Gehenom. Okay. And so, you know, people all around the world obviously are also showing support and trying to help in any way that they can, what are some things that you recommend people do if they're not in Israel right now, but just to support? I, I mean, we have to stick together. That's the most important thing. We've been divided this whole year, and I'm not innocent from divide more to, for being a voice of division. I'm not innocent for this year. At this moment, the most important thing is Am Yisrael is is united and we need to unite and just support Israel, support Israel's military. It's going to be extremely difficult. I know what's going, I, if, if it, what I think is going to happen doesn't happen, then we're in trouble. So if what I think is going to happen is going to happen, we need to stand up and support Israel and its military to do what it needs to do down the block in San Diego, right after the attacks, of the last couple of days, Palestinian um, protests broke out in San Diego with the Palestinian flags. And these Israelis, people, pro-Israel people said, well, you know, it's a counter-protest or I don't know what happened. And they beat up an Israeli man, like lynched him. Like I saw them beating him up they, with a can, like they have it on camera. And this is happening all over the world. We need to unite. You can do that by donating as much money as you want to whatever cause. You can do that by if you want to get to social media and start protests, you know, putting up stuff on social media and in Tachlis, we as Jews need to get together and start thinking about our own security. And I've never said this because I've never been the second amendment type guy, but we need to start thinking about how we defend ourselves in this country as well. I work for a synagogue and there's threats on us. There's threats on synagogues all over the country. The FBI is stepping up because they know what's happening. Intention counts and our intention is to defend ourselves and our intention is to take out terrorists who surround themselves by children, as you know, and that's not murder, that's self-defense. And um, that's a big difference. All right. Stay safe. I'm Trump, sir. What's your name and how long ago did you move to Israel? My name is Devora Rachel, and I moved to Israel in March. I arrived on the 1st 
I, I arrived on the fast of, of the Esther right before Purim started. And how old are you? I am 37 years old. And what word would you use to describe the past few days? Overwhelming. How did you find out what happened? I was asleep and I woke up to the sound of sirens in the distance and I thought it was ambulance. I didn't really understand what it was. The sirens went off again and again and again. I was like, wow, something must be going on. I was working as a nanny at the time, so I woke up and I got ready and I went over across the street to the house that I helped watch the children. And I went over there and we started the morning and then we were about to leave and get the girls out and go for a walk. And a friend of the mother's husband came by and said, uh, where, where is your husband? And she said, well, he's at, he's at shul, uh, because it was Simchat Torah. And he said, I'm, I'm here to escort you to your mother-in-law's house because of the war. And the, the mother I, I nanny for, she and I both were like, what? He's like, don't you hear the sirens? And then the siren went off. And then the sound of the Iron Dome intercepting a rocket uh, could be heard. And it, it was a thunderous sound. And he said, you hear that? And we both look at each other and go, yeah. He's like, that is the sound of the rockets being intercepted. And we go, wow, okay. And it was very surreal. He was very calm, thankfully. And he he walked us over to her mother-in-law's nearby. Wow. And so you only moved very recently. Um, how have you, I mean, you mentioned overwhelmed, but how has the timing of it all kind of been going through your mind? Like the fact that you only got there in March and now, seven months later, this is happening. Well, honestly, I expected something to happen. Uh, my friends who are Israeli told me and forewarned me that going to Israel is a is a hot spot for for, for this sort of thing. But I don't think I anticipated it to be a full-blown war. Um, that in some way caught me off guard. Uh, coming here so soon and then leading to this level of crisis is, is in a way very shocking. Uh, and in a way, it's also like, wow, I finally make it to Israel. This is my first time coming to the Holy Land. Here I am in the process of trying to move here and become a citizen. And I knew I signed up for for aggression from those uh, the neighbors of the land. But it, I was I was like, wow, I would really like to actually enjoy it here a little bit before it turns into uh, this. Uh, just, I guess it was uh, something like, wow, that's just my luck, you know, something like this.
but um, I I also am I, I expect I I'm ready for it. I guess I, I don't know. I'm not military trained. I, I'm I won't be able to be an IDF. I'm I'm beyond the age limit for that. But this is what I signed up for coming here. This I knew that this is what happens here, and uh, when we when we are given this land is our inheritance and uh, nothing good comes easy and, and we are assigned to this land so um, I'm here to be through whatever it is everyone else is going through uh, Israel has always been attacked um, from the very beginning and uh, this is this is just part of part of the part of the territory, I guess. Part of the, what we're here to be ready for. Okay, and so you just mentioned that this is your first time in Israel. Yeah, it is. So, how did you decide to move without ever being in the country? Well, it's funny you'd ask. Because a lot of people told me before coming here, before making that decision, they, they said, why, why aren't you just going to check it out first and see if you like it? And my response to them was, it doesn't matter if I like it or not. It's not about whether I like it. It's, it's the fact that this is uh, trusting Hashem. This is trusting the truth that God told us that we are his inheritance and he is our inheritance. And this land is one of the promises is that he promised Abraham and he said that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and that he would call us from all corners of the earth and he would bring us here. And so what brought me here was actually reading those scriptures and, and having it be pointed out to me by people in my life and about, um, it was reading that for about a year and a half, two years until I finally got the courage to come over here. And I'm told this story um, Every year we hear this story uh, around uh, Pesach where, where we hear how the Jewish people, Israel, um, that we said yes to God's Torah and to, to what God wanted from us without even knowing what that meant. And so I said yes with, with no conditions, unconditionally. I, I, this is, I've always wanted to come to Israel. I never was able to come to Israel until recently. And so it didn't matter to me if I was, what the climate was or what the terrain was or what the political atmosphere was. None of that mattered to me. It was just, I'm going because this is where God says we belong. Wow. Okay. And so this interview came to be because I made a post on Instagram and, and you reached out. And yeah. so you, you gave me a little background about who you are. And so you mentioned that you used to be a professional photographer. Um, yes. I'm wondering, is that something that you're still doing? And is that, is that, has that been on your mind? I mean, obviously there are a lot of things on your mind right now, but <laughs> like it's, it's for not, not maybe for once, but this time, you know, it seems like the public support is very much with Israel. And I think that a large part of that 
you know, as horrifying as it is, is because there are images of, of what's going on. Um, you know, there were images of terrible things being done to people and nobody can deny those images. And so I'm wondering, has, has the thought even crossed your mind, you know, to use your, your camera for, for good during this time and how that, what that looks like? Yes, yes, uh, there is quite an answer to your question. So firstly, yes, it has been on my mind. And secondly, you are the second person, second or third person to bring it to my attention that that is something that I could be using my talents to uh, go forward and, and do something with. Um, unfortunately, I don't have uh, the professional equipment uh, that I would need to to. Uh, properly do that mission. So I I actually recently posted a a, a a crowdfunding thing to start to see if anyone wants to support and send anything over here. Um, not just with the photography. Uh, I could definitely use that to get photography equipment to 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 bring forth images uh, in with the talent that I have. Um, to show people what's going on and keep them updated, but also to help other causes here that are desperate need right now. But um, that's actually the reason why I haven't been doing professional photography recently is because I, I left New York. I was actually in Brooklyn, uh, and I was going to focus on getting all that together before coming over here. But I, uh, I, I, I eagerly just jumped on a plane and came over as quickly as I could. I was in the process of relaunching um, my photography business and uh, getting everything together to do that. Uh, and I just I just didn't wait uh, long enough to get that done. So I came over here as quickly as I could. And now all this happens. And, and I've actually thought about that several times. I'm like, man, why don't I just wait a little bit longer? But um, quite frankly, I do hope to be able to get behind the camera soon. It is, it's one of my strongest gifts that I have to to share um but right now um i'm a little bit limited to what i can do i do have a, a a camera that i can use and i will use it as best i can but um that's uh that's where i'm at right now okay totally understood and so one one last question you know you're obviously in israel um, but for all of us that are not, what ways do you think that people outside of Israel can can help right now? Because everyone is looking to help in any way they can, whether that's donating or anything else. So what are some ways you think that people can help? Well, there's several ways. Um, am I allowed to share the donation page that I launched? Or Yeah, yeah, I, sure. Uh, Okay, fine. So I just launched uh, a Give, Send, Go. And if you would like to give to this, the link is givesendgo.com slash bless. That's B-L-E-S-S. And then underscore Israel. So that's givesendgo.com slash bless underscore Israel. And that will go directly to me. 
And I have several causes that I am going to be uh, putting forth funds to, one of which is to help raise money for a bomb shelter. Another is for a farm that is on the edge of an uh, Arab village that needs some support and supplies to prepare for a potential invasion um, over there. And, uh, and some other causes, of course. Um, there's beds that have usually been reserved for volunteers in an organization that helps send volunteers out to the IDF, but since the uh, reserves have been coming in, they now need funds to have new housing or new bet more housing for volunteers because now there's not enough room to put everybody. So um, that's one way you can you can send to me, and I'll make sure it gets to a, a good place. Secondly, and actually, firstly, that should what should have been first is what I need to say is pray. Um, the first thing that anyone can really do is pray. And that's read to Hillam. Um, there are ways to um, find, gosh, there was a site that somebody sent me earlier. I can't actually remember the name. I wish I could, but they give you the name of a soldier and you can be praying over that soldier. They give you the name of the soldier and his mother's name. Um, pray and share the truth about Israel, as we are not occupiers here, this is our land. Um, and do not do not be filled with hatred. I think this is filling a lot of people with a lot of anger and a lot of hatred. But that is not going to be that helpful. The I would say ways that people can help is remain calm, do acts of kindness, uh, share the truth in love, not in like, anger and hatred and get into arguments do your best not to get any like into actual like arguments and uh gosh what else uh, it's just i mean there's so many ways that people can help um if you can help you can help support people who need to come here and if you know anybody who needs to get over here help them with a flight help them with encouraging words uh just be kind and and, and just try not to just just, you just get so upset that you're mean to people because this is creating a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, conflict and, uh, we need to do our best not to, um, uh, incite any more violence, uh, than has already happened. And, um, get yourselves ready because the Hamas people are saying that their attack is not just on Israel. They're, they want to attack everywhere. So, um, get your own family in prayer and in, in close to Hashem and uh, just just be careful just be careful right now um, and, and help each other too alright thank you Deborah, for sharing with us yeah, I'm Israel Chai what's your name and how long ago did you move to Israel my name is Adi Krohn and I moved to Israel 15 years ago in 2008. And how old are you? I'm 47. What word would you use to describe the last few days? Complicated. And how did you find out on Shabbos what happened? You know, on Shabbos, I was in, uh, I teach at Yishibat Doraita, so we were in the uh, Beit Midrash during Hakafot. And the siren went off, which is kind of unusual in Jerusalem. And that happened a few times, which is even more unusual. 
And we didn't really know, um, you know, one of us went down to go uh, talk to some security people and get a sense of what's going on, but we didn't really get a full picture. And there were rumors kind of uh, flying around, but because we were sort of in this enclosed environment, I didn't really know anything in terms of the details of what had happened until after Shabbat was over, until after Simchastara was over. And uh, yeah, it was really uh, shocking. I never would have imagined that uh, that would have been the news. I had in my head, like sort of like standard type of things that uh, that we've experienced in the past. This is uh, a different level. So as you mentioned, Ravadi is a Rebbe Adoraita, which is where I went, and he was my rabbi and also my Masada Kedushin at my wedding. And so thank you for for joining us for this for this episode. And I'm wondering so you say complicated um, as your as your word. What do you what do you mean by that? Um, what I mean is that um, I think I've, I've been very sad. I think uh, horrified. You know, just the the stories of what what took place uh, on Shabbos down south is just uh, devastating. You know, the the loss of life, and, and not just the loss of life, but the way it was done, and as more stories come out about some of the details, and I know we're sort of being even uh, held, you know, some of this stuff is being held back from us. Um, so it's just, it's just hard. It's, you know, I think, I think a lot of us, you know, just feel so connected to the Jewish people and to the people of Israel. It's just so sad. The stories are just, you know, on the human level, so sad. And I know, you know, uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, then you have all these soldiers being called up. You know, we had this, we had a, an alum who was with us for Simplest Torah who was called up on Shabbos. Um, I have uh, several nephews, you know, who've been called up. Uh, my own kids, uh, my oldest has been through the army, but he was in combat, so he hasn't been called up. But, you know, in our, in our neighborhood, you know, all, all, you know, all my my friends and my friends' kids, you know, everyone's sort of emptying out. And um, so that's, uh, I think, an anxious feeling, you know, for me, you know, uh, I guess vicariously, but, you know, just knowing that, there's this war starting and it's going to get more and more intense. And we know what that means when the war gets more intense. And I think we're just kind of nervous, you know, like uh, things should be okay for our soldiers. So that's, you know, so I think, again, so I have a sadness, I have a sense of anxiety. And then you also have all these stories of, you know, uh, the soldiers themselves being highly motivated. People from all walks of life, you know, here and around the world are being so supportive. I went with my son the other day to donate blood. You know, that's a small thing we can do. And it just was like an endless line that literally took us, you know, they had a very a lot of stations, but it took us, I think, six and a half hours to process the donate blood, which is just like, and no one complained. And there was like this really like sweet girl playing music, you know, outside, you know, to just entertain the people who were doing the mitzvah of like, you know, trying to donate blood. And there are people with food, you know, they came from all sorts of, you know, bakeries to bring baked goods, you know, for everybody. And that's very uplifting. That's very uplifting, you know, so you sense uh, a lot of unity, achdos, you know, like that's, that's really wonderful. So that's what I mean by complicated. Like it's just a, a mix of emotions. And I think I go through waves of like sometimes more sad and there's more uplifted. Sometimes like I don't know what I can do. Like I, you know, I wasn't in the army. I came here too late age wise. You know, I never served and you feel a little helpless. On the other hand, I have to be honest, you know, like I think I'd be pretty nervous to serve in the army. So, you know, there's like, a, I think it's just a mix of emotions. I think that's, that's, that's maybe what I think, I think what a lot of people are going through. Yeah, for sure. And so just what's the current status of all the yeshivas and seminaries? 
Um, I can't speak for all of them. I can tell you a little bit from what I've heard, but I know, you know, most of the shivas and seminaries are functioning pretty much normal. I mean, we weren't supposed to start back up because we were, you know, post Chagim. So we were supposed to start Sunday. So we, we've had, you know, some shiurim for our, our guys every single day, but also been encouraging our guys to do a lot of volunteering. And a lot of them have taken that opportunity. Um, I know that some yeshivas and seminaries have started full throttle. Some have also been like a partial open the way we've done. Uh, there is a reality that some of the kids are going home. You know, I think we've had, uh, personally, the right to, we've had very few go home. Uh, there are other places a lot more. You know, I think I understand that sentiment. I think it's hard. I think it's a hard choice. I think it's uh, difficult for everybody. Uh, but thank God we have a lot of, most of our guys, almost all of our guys have uh, have stayed in yeshiva. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to have, you know, a somewhat normal, you know, continuation of existence. Look, we're not going to be able, we can't all just shut down. We know this, you know, this is going to take a long time. So we can't just shut down. We have to proceed a little bit as normal. Uh, we'll probably have some adjustments in terms of our schedule and you know, some of the things we offer, you know, volunteer opportunities because people want to be able to to give and want to be able to to help out because there is a you know, big reality of, you know, so many people in Miluim now and their families, you know, uh, are without them and you know, just all sorts of things need help. You know, we had so I, just here in the front, you know, we saw these advertisements. It's like help a mom with her kids because the husband's in Miluim. Help this guy who runs a vineyard and he he doesn't have his workers, you know, to harvest grapes, you know, collecting things, you know, supplies for soldiers. You know, there's so many different types of uh, chesed opportunities. So I'm sure we'll have our guys, uh, you know, participate in a lot of those as well. So we'll see. Yeah, but that, but, but, but pretty much I think we're going to try to have somewhat normal life because that's what you have to do, I think, at some level too. Okay. And so obviously like an extremely difficult situation to deal with yourself, your family, students, but I'm wondering, you know, there was a lot of notices, a lot of notices going around from different schools, like in the tri-state area of faculty or administrations telling parents not to let their kids go on social media, certain sites. And so not sure what age ranges this was for, but you know, you're dealing with kids that it's, it's the beginning of their year in Israel. And so it's first time being independent probably in their lives. And this is what happens. And they all have social media. Like this is the age where they're definitely on it. And so they have their phones in Israel. It's not like they don't have their phones. And so what have the yeshivas and seminaries, or at least what you know, have been doing to like, these people are kind they're kind of adults, but they're kind of kids. So it's, so it's, what do you, how do you handle that situation? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, look, we're not making any policies in terms of, you know, restricting whether our students are allowed or not allowed to do with their phones. They, they are young adults and, you know, they're allowed to do what they want. We, we have talked a little bit about, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more when we're, you know, in session more fully um, about, um, you know, what's responsible, you know, for yourself, you know, self-care is important. Do you want to, on the one hand, you want to understand what's going on. You want to, you know, know what's going on in the news. On the other hand, there's things that, you know, we don't all have to see with our own eyes um, necessarily. And, you know, if those things become available through, I don't know, you know, TikTok, X, you know, Instagram, you know, uh, you know, they don't often publish these things on, you know, on more formal media sites, but, you know, on, on social media, they do. And, you know, is it really worth our while to see horrific images of, you know, of, uh, of what's going on 
is it in their best interest? You know, do, does it make us feel the the losses any any more? Does it you know does it harm us? You know, uh, psychologically. I, I saw a very nice um, uh, summary of sort of a way a way to think about it. Um, one is that you know a lot of these images are coming out of you know, coming from Hamas themselves, from the terrorist you know organizations themselves, and part of the terrorism is to is to uh, you know to engender fear, terror. And that's what happens when you look at a lot of these images. They're more, they're more difficult images, you know, that, that makes you more scared. And in some sense, it allows them to win, right? Like you're giving in to what they want. They want us to see those images on some level so that we will be afraid for ourselves. And look, I look around, you know, and my, my kids and my community. And like when you see things like that, you get a little more afraid, you know. I feel I live in the front. I feel generally very safe here. Walk around. It's not really something that I'm so worried about. But what happened, you know, on Shabbos was uh, unprecedented, and it's not something we've experienced. And if it can happen there, sometimes you start thinking like it can happen to me. And it, and when you see things like that, you know, I think that brings about that fear more. So that's one element. Just like, just why give in to what they want? They want us to be more afraid. That's number one. Number two is just an element I think of uh, of dignity for people who have been victims. You know that we, the, what also what terror does is uh, it strips the victims of their dignity. I'm sure we've already seen images, you know, but to see, you know, is that how this person wants to be seen, you know, in their weakest moment, in their moment of, uh, of being subject to, uh, to horrific, um, you know, behaviors. And maybe it's more respectful to the, to the victims themselves not to watch those videos or to see those pictures. And I think there's something very profound there. You know, if you want to, you know, that's why it's so, it's so beautiful. You see, you know, someone unfortunately dies. And we see wonderful pictures of them when they're smiling, you know, in their best moments. And that's how we should think of those people. And that's how we should remember them and to sort of in, in, indulge in a certain sense in the, the voyeurism of, of looking at these pictures or these videos. I think we should try to avoid it. Look, that I think to me is a very healthy way of thinking about it, aside from, you know, psychological damage and emotional trauma that you can go through by seeing some of those things. That's hard to, un- once you see it, it's very hard to unsee. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can. Mm-hmm. So we're we're talking with our students about these things too, and I think that's something that uh, you know, hopefully they'll they'll take to heart. Okay, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And so, one last question. I don't want to make it too simple or too complicated, but just obviously, you know, these terror massacres happened on Simchastora. And so, you know, there's obviously always this famous question, like, why do bad things happen to good people or whatever? We don't need to, like, dive into this whole crazy long conversation about that. But just it's it's supposed to be, you know, one of the happiest days of the year. And you could say that's that's why they did it at that day and explain it that way. But how do you kind of, you know, obviously everyone's in yeshiva. It's still pretty early on. And so how do you transmit the message? Like what, what is the message to people from kind of the, the, like a Torah perspective of, of how something so horrible could happen on like such like a happy day? You know, it's, it's obviously a fair question. And I think we all, we all think about that, you know, look on some level, you know, who are we to understand God's ways and if God's going to let that happen? That's a whole philosophical, yeah. you know, uh, issue that's really hard to, to get to the root of and to really, you know, to come to grips with. 
And, you know, yes, I agree with you. It's, it's even harsher that, you know, this type of thing happens on a day that is supposed to be such a happy day. But if it had been, you know, uh, three weeks from now instead of then, does that make it less tragic? You know, it, it's, it's, there's some element of it that's very poignant. I mean, Simchat Torah, right? The day of like rejoicing with the Torah. That's what they, when they remember Simchat Torah, you know, for a while as this event. Um, you know, but I think I, I prefer much more, you know, to, to focus on not so much how do we deal with that, you know, the, the philosophical difficulties and, and what are we going to take from it? You know, what, what can we take from it? What can we do to make something positive, you know, out of this, uh, these events? Look, there are tactical things. There are practical things that, that are going to happen, you know, that we have to learn lessons. Um, theologically, we can always try to connect to each other, you know, connect to Am Yisrael more you know, increase our tefillot. There's always things you can do spiritually like that. You know, our Talmud Torah, our Torah learning, to try to connect to the, the source a little bit more. Um, but I think also, but, you know, but also just like moving forward, you know, this is, you know, Am Yisrael has to deal with this really, really difficult issue. The state of Israel is confronted now with uh, a very difficult task. And, you know, hopefully, you know, with, uh, with God's help, we'll be successful. And, you know, no one's ever going to look back and say, well, this was a great thing. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible tragedy, and it's going to, we're going to remember it for generations. But at the same time, I think we have to ask the question, what can we take from it? What can we, what can we do to move forward and to, to strengthen ourselves, focus on the things that really matter? You know, we've, everyone's been talking about, you know, the, the, the harsh divisions that have been in the state of Israel, you know, over the past uh, several months. And, you know, when it really comes down to it, we see how much unity there really is. And focusing on things like that, to me, is a positive way of, you know, uh, taking these terrible events. And it doesn't lessen the pain. It doesn't uh, lessen the, uh, the things we have to learn from it and the things we have to do. But I think there's, uh, there's some, hopefully, some positive that we'll see, uh, hopefully, as a result at the end. All right. Thank you, Ravadi, for coming on and sharing that. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, What's your name, and how long ago did you move to Israel? My name is Dovnit Vietsky, and I first came to Israel at the end of 2014, but I officially made Aliyah after uh, finishing my army service in 2017, September. And how old are you? I'm 26 years old. Got it. What word would you use to describe the last few days? Uh, one word... Um, De- desperate uh, desperation, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if there's one word. Okay. Yeah. How did you find out what happened? Uh, after the first rocket, I went on my phone to check, um, just because I'm like, what, like, what's going on, and I went back to sleep. And then after the second rocket, and like that's or the second siren, sorry. Uh, I went back on my phone and then I, I kind of like saw a video of uh, like the, the video we all saw of like the Hamas terrorists driving around in the truck and in the kibbutz and like that doesn't seem right. Like something's off there. Um, yeah, just kind of went straight onto my phone. Okay. And so what do you do? What's your, what's your background? My background is I grew up uh, like modern Orthodox in Toronto, Canada, um, really Zionist community. 
um, went to yeshiva after high school. Then after high school, I went to the army for a year and a half. I was in Kfir, did Kravi. Um, I just graduated, like, then a year ago, I graduated from IDC. And right now I'm looking for work. I was working as a copywriter at a mobile gaming company, but just, like, regular modern Orthodox upbringing, you know, pretty pretty regular stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we spoke a little before when you were in the army, there was a traumatic experience. Can you dive into that a little? Yeah. So, um, I was my, I was in Kfir in my army service. Um, most of what we did once we were on active duty was in, uh, Sharon, uh, in Samaria. Um, so we were often just sort of put in there and then tasked with whatever, whatever base we were on, whatever cup we were on, we were tasked with guarding whatever issue we were in that area. So we're just being responsible for them. Uh, one Friday night, um, we were in, we were in a Friday night meal. Um, and there was like a bunch of tension because of stuff happening at the Temple Mount and a whole bunch of stuff was happening. So our Samach Menpei got up and he said like, guys, I just really want to like commend you guys. Like no Jews got hurt today. There's a lot of tension, like good job. And based on my memory, maybe it's my mind Hollywooding the event up, but I remember like in the middle of his speech, uh, his phone went off and then him and like his soldiers like ran off and we all went, then afterwards we all went to the radio room to find out what happened. Um, and we found out there was a stabbing, but like when you hear there's a stabbing, you're like, oh, okay, like a soldier got stabbed and they took out the terrorist. Um, then like maybe 10 minutes later, the sirens in our base went off and they never go off. And all of us were just sort of like, get into a car and get to the issue. The issue's name is Kalamish. Uh, on the way to the Yishuv, we found out what happened, which was a terrorist jumped the fence, security messed up, uh, knocked on a house, went into the house and stabbed a family. Luckily, not everyone was killed, but the their names are the Solomon family. I don't remember their first names, unfortunately, but um, killed three people. Um, and then that night we spent searching the Yishuv for a second terrorist, uh, knocking from door to door to make sure that there wasn't a second terrorist in a house and then subsequently informing each family of what had happened. Um, and yeah. And, uh, I remember going into the house afterwards the next day, uh, the floor was covered in drying blood to the extent that I didn't realize it was blood. I thought it was just a weird floor pattern until I took a step in and my boots stuck to the floor. Um, and I noticed all the family pictures that were up and my mind was just like all, all these family photos are like, they, they can't look at them anymore. This is like before this event happened. Um, yeah, very, uh, very intense night. Very intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you obviously went through that very intense night and now you're seeing what's going on now mm-hmm. where, you know, countless soldiers are, having that experience that you had, you know, the after effects discovering bodies in homes and just figuring out and all these images are coming out and things like that. And so does it kind of bring you back to that moment? Like, have you been thinking about that moment a lot more recently? Um, I can't say that I have for the sole reason that I have so many friends in Milim right now and just genuinely the only thing I'm thinking of is is their safety and 
it's awful to say, but it seems inevitable that I'm going to look at the news one day and see one of my friend's pictures and names on uh, like a dead soldier's list. And um, that's that's the only thing I've been thinking about. Okay. And so it's obviously very difficult. So how are you kind of managing during the last few days? How am I managing? Um, well, luckily, I, have a, I live in Tel Aviv. I have a lot of family that lives nearby. Um, so I've kind of been trying to distract myself a little bit. I've been going over to my cousins, helping them out with, with their kids because they need help because they're home all day. There's no school anymore. Um, and obviously, they're little kids. If they're rockets, they need help. So I've been going over, helping with the kids, trying to just calm everything down. I went and helped pack some packages for, for Chayalim and then um, just texting all of my friends in Milouim, like being like, hey, how are you? Are you okay? And they're like, yes, I'm okay. Unfortunately, my best friend who's up north, for some reason, his unit is the only unit that they decided to take their phones. So that's a really great feeling, <laughs> not being able to hear from him or talk to him. But um, I just heard recently from someone else that he's, he's totally fine. So yeah, just distracting myself, helping where I can, trying to stay in touch. Okay. And so, you know, there are a lot of people outside of Israel right now that, you know, our hearts are with Israel and our minds are with Israel. And so people are trying to help in any ways that they can, donating, davening, you know, doing whatever we can. And so I'm wondering, like, in your mind, what do you think are the best ways that people that aren't actually on the ground right now could help? Um, I think donating money to anything you see, this, there's, they call it 300,000 million. There's just not enough equipment for everyone. I know my, my friend was complaining that um, they just had, like, flak jackets instead of the uh, ceramic bulletproof vests that we're used to in the Army. Um I'm sure he's not the only one complaining about that that's missing some sort of vital essential equipment. So just whether it's talking to someone in America who's buying equipment, donating to someone who's in Israel who's who's going around buying equipment and giving it to soldiers, just find some way to donate something. Um, again, check up on your friends in Israel. We need it. We appreciate everyone who's reaching out to us. I've had so many friends reach out to me, tell me they're thinking of me, tell me that that if I need to, I can talk to them and it's, I can't even express how, how much it means to me. Um, yeah, obviously davening always helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. As someone who's experienced these things hands-on and someone who I assume is online on social media, seeing everything that's being said, so obviously mostly support for Israel, but there are some, people out there that are expressing negative sentiment and saying things that are just hard to believe. And so I'm wondering, how do you deal with that? Um, it's obviously very frustrating and heartbreaking to see, you know, the comments and posts and whatever. Um, yeah, I, it, to me, this isn't, I think from what a lot of people have said, this isn't even, a political issue, Israel versus Palestine, occupiers, whatever, like the things that Hamas have done are, are barbaric, animalistic, inhumane, and, and, and it's 
really sad to see how how a community can be so brainwashed into thinking that I wouldn't say that they're right, but that they're on the moral side of history that no matter what happens to Israel and the Jews, it doesn't matter because we've been so afflicted and and uh, and and terrorized ourselves. Uh, to me, this just it almost doesn't have anything to do with Israel Palestine. It's just you know Hamas is is they're they're animals. They, they, I, I don't know how you can justify anything that they've done, regardless of what's done to you. All right. Thank you, Dope. We appreciate yeah. your time and hope you stay safe and for everything to go well. Thank you too. Let's go get him. What's your name and how long ago did you move to Israel? My name is Mark Owen. I've been in Israel now for about 15 months. This is my second stint living here. I was here for three years. I went to Yeshiva for a year and a half. I went to the army for a year and a half and I moved back here last summer. And how old are you? I am 26. Okay. And what word would you use to describe the last few days? To borrow a title from a book I've always wanted to read but haven't gotten to yet, I would say fast and slow. I think, I can't believe it's already Wednesday. The days have, on the one hand, flown by. You get lost in social media and looking at Twitter and the news, and the next thing you know, it's two hours later than when you picked up your phone. But on the other hand, every second, every minute, of looking at what's going on is agonizing. Okay. And so just going back to Shabbos, how did, how did you find out what happened? I woke up Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m. and I heard screaming, wailing. And I just assumed my neighbor, I have an elderly neighbor, she fell. So I got up, ran outside and saw she was standing up and I saw everybody else outside and I looked, what's going on here? Did she fall? And I said, no. And I stopped for a second and I heard sirens in the background. And I asked them, is that a red alert siren? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what? What's going on? Why? Why is it happening? Did we attack them? And my neighbors weren't overly helpful. Um, so they kind of just said there were rockets and that was that. And since I'm Shomer Shabbat, I keep Shabbat, I uh, just decided to go back to bed. Um, and that was it for an hour. An hour later, I was leaving to go to synagogue for Shabbat for the holiday. And I left, got dressed, left my apartment. And my elderly neighbor, she had her news on really loud. And I stopped to listen for a second to see what prompted these attacks. And I heard the news say that there are a number of infiltrations from Gaza to Israel. And then I realized we are dealing with something much bigger than we have dealt with ever before. Okay. And so where are you living? And what do you do? I'm living in Tel Aviv. I'm currently at a friend's apartment who has a bomb shelter in their building since our building doesn't have one. And I work for the American Jewish Committee here in Israel. They have a Jerusalem office of about 10 people. And I run a program for young professionals and the diplomatic community. Okay, and what does this program do? We have a whole bunch of different 
things that we do. Uh, for starters, we have a young professionals network to help out AJC's goals, whether it be representing in the Israel on the world stage or fighting anti-Semitism. Um, and then we also have a diplomatic network where we work with the diplomats and the embassies here to pretty much help out with whatever they need. We can provide political analysis. We run events to give them a different perspective that they might not otherwise have um, and do our best to help out any way we can. Okay. And so in terms of representing Israel on the world stage, I'm sure, you know, in the past few days, you've been seeing the news on social media. And how do you think right now, in your opinion, Israel is being represented on the world stage? I think this has been the strongest outpouring of international support I've ever seen in my relatively young life. We've never seen a president like this in the last couple of decades come out in such support for Israel as President Biden has done. We've seen capitals across Europe and the rest of the world illuminated with blue and white colors of the Israeli flags. We've had foreign ministers and heads of state call their Israeli counterparts. It's unprecedented and it's just unfortunate that it's so warranted because we suffered such a heinous attack. Okay. And so is your day-to-day, I mean, obviously it's impacted, you know, just living in Israel and also what you do for a living, but have you been working even more now? Like how is your job impacted? I think everyone will give you almost the same answer and that it's, pretty much come to a halt. I am working as best as I can with the embassies, but they're swarmed just the way the Israeli government is. They have citizens themselves who were killed and kidnapped and missing, and they're trying to locate them. They're making emergency preparations for war. It's it's a big balagan for them as well. Um, so I've just been trying to call some of my friends and colleagues at these embassies and just letting them know that I'm here for them, whether it be professionally or personally, and hopefully next week or in the coming weeks when things come down, go back to a place of normalcy. Okay. And so as someone who is a member of the diplomatic community, as what you're doing right now, and obviously, you know, this has definitely been the craziest time for you living in Israel. There are many people outside of Israel that are trying to help in any way they can, sending supplies, donating, davening, you know, all these different things. What are some ways that you think people who want to help outside of Israel could help? I think there are a bunch of ways people can help. I think the first thing is keep sharing things on social media. We've seen this time and time again that eventually world support will stop. Maybe this time we have a longer leash, but eventually... The world will pressure us to reach a de-escalation and a ceasefire. We need international support to stay at the level that it is right now. And that includes sharing on social media, whether it be with your friends, your family, or just strangers you don't know. Everybody has a voice. And on top of that, reach out to your local elected officials. But it could be a mayor, it could be a state senator, it could be a congressman, anybody. Anybody who has a position to help, please reach out to them. The second thing I think is donate. There are a lot of amazing organizations out there who need the money, who can use it. I personally have seen 
thousands and thousands of dollars come in and then go out the same day. So we're, we are burning through cash, but it is going for a new thing. I would just caution, make sure to vet your organizations and make sure the money is going to a good place. And the third thing I think is just be there for one another. Don't spread fake news. Don't spread unverified reports and take care of yourselves. Try to get out, exercise, stay up the news and check in on your friends and family. Because right now, whether you're in Israel, whether you're in America or, or anywhere else, the Jewish people are all suffering together. Make sure we take care of one another. Okay, that's great advice. And you just mentioned not spreading fake news. But is there anything else that you recommend people don't do that maybe you've seen in the last few days? Even spread true news. Don't repost gruesome videos. Don't repost gruesome photos because there are a lot of those out there. And I know it's important to spread the story and there are certain things we should share, but there's a limit. There's a limit to the psychological effect that people can take right now. And we also want to honor the victims. So make sure whatever you're sharing is appropriate and is accurate. Okay. And just kind of one last question, just on the general state of, you know, where you're living and just everything going on, like in terms of Tel Aviv community and any friends you might have, have there been like gatherings of people to, you know, rally or come together or what kind of things like that have been going on? You know, I, I mean, I saw videos of like people singing how take from their apartments, but just like what kind of shows of support like have you been involved in oh so many it's it's really incredible the amount of unity and love that is in this country right now is is unfathomable i've been going to warehouses and different community centers to help pack and volunteer supplies for soldiers and families that were affected from the south and they they're turning away volunteers there was an hour line to volunteer. There was a six-hour wait to donate blood, I think, in Jerusalem the other day. These shows of unity have been incredible. I personally, an hour, just got back from a mini carnival I ran for some kids who were from a kibbutz down south. Um, and there are all these little grassroots initiatives popping up of taking care of this family from this town, taking care of this family from that town. The shows of support have been incredible unwavering and inspiring okay thank you mark cohen for coming on it's really appreciate you having me i'm right. pleasure what's your name and how long ago did you move to israel my name is daddy zweig and i moved to israel nine months ago and how old are you 27 years old what word would you use to describe the past few days um, the last few days, I would say, were very are very scary. Scary is the main word I would use. I think it's the main word most Israelis would use. Scary. And where were you on Saturday, and how did you find out what happened? Um, so I woke up for shul as I usually do. Actually, I somehow slept through the two alarms that happened in the morning, um, the two sirens, I should say. Um, don't know how, but he did. So I woke up as normal, um, pretty late, went to shul, got to shul. It was my first time to in Tel Aviv, so I didn't really know what to expect, but I definitely expected to see more people. But I thought, oh, maybe, you know, I got there during the break. Maybe people left. They were coming back. Um, but slowly, as I started talking to more and more people, I kind of started hearing bits and pieces. First thing I heard were about the sirens. 
I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like there've been sirens before, kind of something we're used to ish. And then I heard that um, it was a really bad situation and terrorists were coming in. The board was, the border was open. Um, and again, like, it's not like we know as much as we do now. It was like literally the first time hearing it, you know, without your phone, hearing it through people. So kind of don't know what to believe. You're still in your la-di-da world of Shabbat and Chag. Um, but as I spoke to more people, I realized how serious of a situation we were in. And um, someone said to me, you should really go be with your parents. Um, and my parents actually made Aliyah a few months ago. They're still back and forth, but for now they're here. And I knew that they were in Tel Aviv. I knew which role they were davening at. I didn't really see them over Chag. You know, they knew it was my first in in Tel Aviv. I wanted to be with my friends. Um, but I, of course, went to go be with them. And um, just the rest of the day, we were all hearing different things, trying to focus on davening, not really being able to. Um, and yeah, and then more and more news came out. And that was that was pretty much the day Saturday. It was It was a sad and scary day mm -hmm. and so you made Aliyah in January was that something that was always part of your plans or was that something relatively new yes so I have always wanted to make Aliyah um, it's always been in my heart always been in my mind um, my mom's Israeli so we have a lot of family here I grew up in a very Zionist household it's just always been spoken about um, you know it, it was never a plan plan in place, but I knew my parents wanted to go when they were retired and, you know, they were, they've always been urging me to, to go <laughs> as well. Um, so this past January, I decided to actually, I would say last summer, I decided, decided that I was going to do it in January, but um, I would say the last like year and a half has really been on my mind or, um, and it was just time. It was just time to do it. I'm a big Zionist. I knew I always wanted to end up here. So the more I thought about it, the more I was like, Gabby, if you want to end up in Israel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait till things get harder. Just go now. Go while you're young. So that is what I did. Okay. And what do you do? So I'm a nurse by profession. Um, I'm actually in the process of converting my American license to an Israeli license. It takes some time. Um, so for the meantime, I'm actually working for a telehealth company for the States, but from Israel. Um, but yeah. I'm a nurse trying to trying to help out any way I can here. Got it. And as a nurse, while you're waiting for this license to, I guess, convert over to Israel, is there anything that you're allowed to do to help with, you know, any wounded people or is there, what are, what are you allowed to do? So the main thing that's kind of been going around are the big, um, the big links for different hospitals um, I was told, at least now in Tel Aviv, I, I don't really know how comfortable I feel leaving Tel Aviv just yet. Um, but at least for now, I've been told that the the main hospital in Tel Aviv has everyone they need, has everything they need. But I know that they are putting together a database of medical personnel, um, their information, people who are willing to help out, you know, what their jobs are. I, I'm, I've been getting so many messages from people even abroad being like, we want to come in. We'll take a flight right now. Tomorrow I have doctors, I have nurses. And um, just in general, we're kind of, we were actually, I was actually talking about this today with my friends. We were just telling people like the best is kind of to wait a bit um, till things kind of simmer down. And then I think they'll need, you know, a lot more donations, a lot more help, um, more in a controlled manner as of like right 
now where everyone's just like dying to help and wants to help um, and send money and all these things and send their help. Um, so I'm waiting, I'm kind of waiting around. I'm doing other things in the meantime that aren't really medically related, but like every link I see I'm filling out. I was at the hospital a few days ago because I was told some of my supplies would be needed and then I got there and like they weren't really. Um, so kind of just waiting for everything to get a bit more organized. Listen, I'm sure if I lived down South, I would be in a hospital helping for no other reason, hopefully, but in a hospital helping um, if I lived there, but I'm not really willing to leave the city just yet. Maybe Jerusalem, they need that too. But um, but yeah, just trying to help with whatever whatever opportunities I see. For now, there haven't really been any calling my name, um, but hopefully, I hope I can help soon in that capacity. Gotcha. And so you mentioned you've been helping in another capacity. So what are some of the things you've been doing? Yes. So there are tons and tons and tons of group chats here. It's beautiful to see. They are constant. They are 24 seven. Um, everything, every blood donations, clothing donations, food donations, going to specific stores, getting stuff from the stores, having those stores order in what we need. Um, just a lot, a lot, a lot of every, everyone wants to help. Everyone is trying to help. Everyone is so eager that like someone posts something the next second, someone it's done. You can't even do it if you wanted to, you can't do it. Um, you know, people are offering their cars to drive up North down South army bases. People are picking up families from places where they need to come to Tel Aviv and live, um, temporarily. People are offering their homes, extra apartments, especially a lot of people that are away in the States now. Everyone is doing everything they can. Um, today, I'll tell you, for example, today I drove around with my friends. We actually brought the laundry from a hotel that have, that has a lot of families from the South. So we brought their laundry to the laundromat and then I think our picking, we did it also yesterday, we're picking it up tomorrow, just like little things. Everyone, you know, everyone wants to volunteer. Um, what else did I do today? I picked up phone chargers, put them directly into a car that is going straight to a base um, there's just so much, there's so much people are packaging food. Um, I pass by restaurants, there's people outside boxes, tables, people putting stuff in, out, everything. Um, so it's just anything you could think of that a family would need or might need, like we're on it. Everyone's on it. Even people from out of Israel. So yeah, just trying to like, again, any way, any way that I can help, I don't have a car, I don't have an extra apartment, but like anything I can do, um, I'm, I'm doing. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And yeah. so, you know, you're, you moved nine months ago. Um, one of the more recent Olim just in general because of that. And, you know, this is, this is the greatest massacre that's happened in Israel. I mean, I don't know, like, like ever. At least like, like, ever, ever, I don't know, at least 50 years. Um, so just wondering crazy. what your thoughts are, have been, if you've been able to even think about this yet, about like kind of the timing of everything, like the fact that you are so new there and this just happened, like, how does, like, how does that make you feel? Yeah, um, it is, it's hard. I mean, you know that moving to Israel obviously comes with a lot of hardship. Um, most people here know that. Um, I think most people moving know that it's not 
you know, just an easy life. This is, of course, nothing we ever experienced, nothing we ever expected, like ever. Um, it's hard. Listen, living here in general is not easy. And of course, of course, being here while all of this happens is hard, but it makes me feel almost a little bit better that I'm here, you know, helping, supporting my people. I know a lot of people back home want to do more than they can more, you know, more than they're able to. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm staying. I, I have no reason to leave. I have, I don't want to leave. I want to be here. Um, I want to be here helping. I want to be here, you know, feeling part of it. And to answer your question, yeah, it's, uh, of course, again, no one expected it. Um, but you know that, that living here comes with, comes with like a lot of hate from many others. So kind of have to be ready. And it's like it's the best thing I could say. I don't know. I just, it's not easy, but it's worth it. And, and it's almost a little bit expected and, you know, you just try to keep your head up and stay positive and, and it's beautiful to see everyone's, you know, positive messages, sharing, you know, sharing them with each other, going on Instagram, seeing all the love. Um, it's beautiful. And I'm proud to be part of it. And I'm proud to be here, part of it, but it is not easy. Okay. And so I'm just going to speak for you here a little, and hopefully you could confirm what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So we spoke briefly about like what people that are outside of Israel could do. And you mentioned that everyone's doing everything they can right now to help, to donate to whatever it is, even fly over. And at the same time, you also mentioned that it's, it's a, almost a surplus right now, which is great, but we have to make sure that that energy is still there in two weeks from now when Israel is not the top trending thing on Twitter, when it's not that what everyone is talking about in the media and outside of Israel. And so what do you think we could do to make sure that the energy is sustained outside the country? Inside the country won't be a problem, but outside the country to just make sure everyone just keeps up the same energy, the same effort. How do you think we could we could do that? Um, I think the main thing is, you know, reaching out to the people you know here, reaching out to your friends, you know, not forgetting, trying your best to, you know, stay with the news, stay, stay updated. Um, it's, I know it's, it, it's tough because everyone wants to help right now. But um, just kind of to take a step back, take time for yourself, even you, like everyone, everyone needs time to kind of digest what's been going on. Um, And I don't know, I would say follow up, follow up with your friends, follow up with people, people here, you know, I would say no. We are the ones talking to our friends who are on the bases. I'm I'm not saying people in America are not, but um, like really it's, so personal here, the connection that I would just make sure to keep talking to people, keep asking what we need, um, set reminders if you have to, and just, I don't know, just hope and pray, just hope and pray. But, um, I know that's, it's a tough one. It's a, you, you don't want, you almost don't want the momentum to go away, but I think we'll hear news, you know, in the next few weeks about what's needed more as, you know, things clear out and 
we're able to clean up a bit more and just have to stay alert, stay aware, and um, talk to your friends that are here. All right. Thank you, Gabby, for sharing with us no and problem. for helping this effort. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Amit Rocha. Um,